With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Tuesday, March 8th, and we are here to try to help you make really smart financial decisions wherever you are in your financial life. You could be really young and starting out. You can be retiring. You could be, what is our oldest emailer so far? Who's our oldest um, guest on the show slash questioner? We've had people in their 90s. I don't think we've had anyone in there who's 100 yet, have we, Mark? Any 100-year-old centurions? Come on. We want to hear from you. If you've got a financial question, head to our website. It's jillonmoney.com. Click the Contact Us button. Okay. Uh, I dare you to pronounce this name, Mark. I'm not going to. So I'm just going to call this person L. What is the maximum tax bracket you would recommend Roth conversions? In other words, when does a tax bracket get too high for it to be advantageous to do a Roth? Mark, you might have a different uh, opinion on this. I think there is some consternation if you're in the 35 or 37% tax bracket that whether or not you should do a Roth conversion. Some of it depends on what else is going on in your life, okay? Some of it has to do with how old you are and also how much money you already have that has been put in this pre-tax traditional environment. But Mark, I believe that Ed Slot has said to us that essentially everyone can consider a Roth conversion even in those higher tax brackets. Is that right? Right. So, you know, what Mark is saying is that Ed Slot and Mark Talercio believe that part of the beauty of converting into a Roth environment is that you eliminate uncertainty in the future. You know, you probably don't realize this, especially if you're in your 50s. You know, when you start converting a Roth, one advantage is that you will no longer have as much income later. And, you know, there's a lot of testing for different things, whether it's working before your full retirement age, whether it's your Medicare surcharges, those IRMA surcharges. Those are things that if you convert, you can control a little bit better. We need actual information from you about your situation before giving you our, you know, absolute do it or don't do it. But, you know, obviously, in general, the the advantages are about 
the control you have about your future income and your future taxation. Okay. Okay. Michelle is interested in investing in guaranteed banknotes. She writes, I love your podcast. My brain doesn't always wrap around all the investment stuff, but you've helped clear up the mud. Thank you. Okay. Let's get through the muddy waters here. My question is, we are retiring in a couple of years. We've been approached by an independent investor. He is not shady. He's got strong family roots on a farm in the area. (laughs) Did you like my pause on that? I'm sorry. Lots of the guys my husband works with have been investing with him for their retirement. So here's a question, Mark. My husband will be 65 at retirement. She writes, is it a good thing to invest in guaranteed banknotes? I may not be pronouncing this in the right terms. You have to leave them for five to seven years. You can have the investment back. You don't you don't lose your money, but you may have growth. Then you reinvest. The man says in almost all cases, except a few, growth is huge. Mark, what would you like to say to uh, our friend Michelle about this? I'm taking a pass also. Um, I don't know what the details of the guaranteed banknotes are, but I guarantee you that there's more to this than meets the eye. What I guess is really important is, I mean, it's so crazy. There's a lot of things here like guaranteed note programs. There's like when you Google it, the first thing that comes up is like prime bank note fraud by the FBI. I mean, like, oh my God. So yeah, I mean, yes, you can have these things. They are somewhat, um, I guess they would be called fixed investments, but like it has to do with you and what's going on in your life. And I wonder if there is some reason why this guy has said to you in almost all cases, except a few, what if you're the few? Anyway, I would really love to know more about what's going on for you guys before you pop the money in this investment. And generally speaking, when I think about these kinds of situations, I think when someone says it's great, except in these few little times, I always think about, well, I'd probably be the unlucky person in those few times. So let's kind of get more information. All right. Dean writes, hello, Jill. We have a $210,000 mortgage left at three and a half percent and it we finish it in 2034. You know, it's weird, Mark, when I read 2034, I think that's so long from now and then it's it's not anymore. Anyway, uh, Dean has got a million and a half dollars in a 401k and he maxed out his yearly contribution. He's got a cash a reserve of 350 grand, no other debt, 56 and 58, extra money left over. Should we pay off our mortgage? And what do we do with the extra money going forward, whether we pay off the money, mortgage or not? Uh, You know, listen, this is a tough one. I think that, you know, you probably could just have the money in a brokerage account and you're working and everything is good. So what I would say is why not just have a brokerage account? It is, you can pay this thing off. I that you're still getting a little mortgage interest deduction. And I think it might be it might be worth your while to keep some extra cash on hand, but also to have some liquidity, meaning a brokerage account outside of a retirement account. So I think you do a plain old brokerage account with the extra money. You know, keep a little cash on hand. I don't know when you say you're going to retire and invest it and and make it boring and have it diversified and have some index funds and and call it a day. Mark, anything else that you would be interested in doing for these folks? I agree. He can always pay it off later. If he's not going to take your advice, maybe split the difference and do a little bit. 
Yeah, it really depends how much that's bugging you. Like, I do think that if there's some anxiety around like, oh, I hate having this mortgage. Yeah, okay, maybe. But uh, I don't know. You don't have that that much money in uh, non-retirement assets. So I think it'd be great to have that as your nice supplemental retirement fund. That'd be great. Uh, Okay, Jeff wants to know, oh, this is interesting, wants to know about filing jointly or separately. My wife, he first he writes, the first three words are my wife left. And I was like, oh, no, but now it's just her job. It's not him. Okay, so Jeff says, my wife left her job earlier this year to open a small business. She is registered in the state of Pennsylvania as a sole proprietor. She had a fairly successful year. Now she has a good chunk of taxes due. Does it make sense for us to continue to file uh, jointly or separately? And if separately, who gets the little dependents? Right now, my side of the refund seems to be offsetting the taxes she will owe, but we're still working through some of the details. Okay, here's what I think. You're going to file jointly. That's what it's going to be. Usually filing separately is for a very specific reason and not about like actual taxes, but other reasons. And I don't think it makes sense for you guys. And so there's no reason to do it. And usually there's actually a penalty for doing it. Uh, Mark, does filing separately ever make, well, I guess there's like these weird times where it could make sense, but I don't think in this case, do you agree? Probably. If they're doing this on their own, using a home software like TurboTax or something, they can, you know, they can just kind of like run through the process doing it both ways and see which one's better. Yeah, that's a good idea. If you really don't know, I'm I'm going to guess that your joint is going to be better, but you can run through a scenario, maybe if you're doing TurboTax, to run it both ways and see which works better. I'm going to guess, not definitely, going to guess that jointly is going to work. Dawn says, hey, Jill and Mark, it seems like you prefer renting over owning. Why? <laughs> Isn't that funny that, that they think that, even though I own so much real estate, it's ridiculous. I don't prefer renting over owning. I prefer people not default into ownership. I think that owning is a pain in the ass. I think that renting is easy, but in an inflationary environment, owning is kind of nice. Like you got your fixed rate mortgage and you've got, yeah, your property taxes might be going up, but it's expensive to maintain a property and it's, and things come up. And so not, it's not for everyone. And in certain markets, Owning a home is much more expensive and unaffordable for the vast majority of the inhabitants of that place. It's not a question of do I prefer. It's more of a question of I would prefer if people didn't make owning something the number one goal always. I would prefer that people run the numbers, look through what's available, and not make themselves crazy if they can't find their quote-unquote dream home. The, The freedom of renting. My brother-in-law says this to me. He owned for so many years and uh, after his divorce, he was, he kind of like shed everything. He says it's like the, the most freeing feeling. He had owned multiple things and traded and did work and this and he's like, I am so happy just to be a renter. It's kind of great. My mom too. My mom loves renting. The woman who never rented since, you know, for 60 years. Now she loves her rent. Also, oh, by the way, Mark, last thing, mom calls me last night to ask me about her lease. She just gets uh, a, her leases up and uh, guess what? Buying her car out of the lease, which used to never be something that people would do, is now the greatest deal in the world. For the last three years, her three years of her car, she's like, where have I gone? 
there's 15,000 miles on her car and the lease buyout is a predetermined price based on her driving 12,000 miles a year. It's like, it's a score. So she says to me, what happens in three years? I said, when I take the keys away from you, I'll have a nice car with very low mileage. (laughs) That's a good deal. All right, that's it. And you want to buy your Lisa? You want to know whether we should buy or rent? You want to figure out what's the next thing that you need to be considering for your financial life? Head to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. Let us know if we can help you out. And it's very easy. And if you just at the very bottom of the form, it says, would you come on the air with us? If you check yes, Mark will do everything else. Do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.